Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Karis Cures show, where we explore the cutting edge for our body, mind, and spirit. I bet a lot of you have kids who play organized sports, and of course, concussions can be a big part of that, a big concern. So I really wanted to bring you an expert when it comes to detection, prevention, treatment, and more. So here with us now on Karis Cares is Dr. Stephanie Alessi LaRosa. She is the director of the Hartford Healthcare Sports Neurology Program. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Full disclosure, I had to go to you once for myself mm -hmm. and um, once for each of my children. So mm -hmm. we've become good friends. And yes. what I've learned is if you've seen one concussion, I guess you've seen one concussion. Correct. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. Everyone is so individual that it's um, really not meant to be cookie cutter sort of protocols and treatment. You know, you really have to individualize the approach. And, and it, that's what keeps my job interesting is actually how different they can be. And so you're also, there aren't many of you, right? You're the mm -hmm. only one with your kind of training in the whole state of Connecticut. Yes, I am the only fellowship trained sports neurologist in Connecticut. Um, and uh, there's just not that many fellowship programs right now in the country. So, uh, but I am happy to say that Hartford Healthcare has the only sports neurology fellowship in uh, New England and in the Northeast. So, we need more of you. And so, yes. if people are interested in medicine, it's a great field to go into. Absolutely. I mean, you think of you know orthopedic sports medicine, primary care sports medicine. There's a lot of sports medicine specialists, but uh, not a lot of neurologists. And you, you know, it's it's always amazing to see how important it is to have us there. You know, so yeah. it's, it's exciting. Because yeah. you're doing. I mean, this is why I want people to understand. Like, you're doing. We might have kids playing soccer, football, different levels. But like, literally, you're on the side of the ring when people are doing boxing and knockout sports. <laughs> yes, I am a ringside physician and you know the, the the point of boxing is to neurologically impair your opponent. So it really uh, keeps me busy on those events. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now for the for for the rest of us, um, maybe you're playing sports on the weekend as yourself or you're really worried about the kids because there's so much talk about concussion. People are afraid to let their kids play contact sports because of some of the uh, information that's come out about the brains of football players and things like that. Let's start with this. Do we have to worry that when you get a hard hit, it's going to mean a concussion or not every hit's a concussion? No, it's true that, you know, you can take hits to your head for and they cause symptoms that are similar to concussion, but not necessarily the brain injury where the force is actually imparted to the brain. Um, and so, but it can mimic a concussion because you'll, you can still get a traumatic migraine, for example, where you do get a headache and some light sensitivity and nausea, things like that. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have a concussion. So we would be looking for more, you know, any sleep disturbance, mood disturbance, you know, other things that are sort of brought into the picture that we couldn't explain just from a migraine, for example. Um, but yeah, so some, sometimes these hits, depending on the mechanism, what the forces were involved, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a concussion. So when you talk about mechanism, mm -hmm. um, this is interesting because when I was at work, I had something fall on my head and I got a big goose egg yeah. and I went to you and one of the things I remember you saying was, I ended up not having a concussion, but you mm -hmm. said it's not usually when you have a goose egg or something just hits you that mm -hmm. you get a concussion. It's more when your head bangs flat against something, maybe on an ice rink or a hard field. Right. And there's so many, you know, scenarios that we could play out. Um, but it really is a combination of what was the mechanism. You know, if something hits you and you didn't move, you know, it's it's hard to get the 
the injury imparted to the brain, the forces, you know. But but if it's like, you know, you're running at the shelf or something, not just standing up into it, right, that's that's a different kind of mechanism. So um, so really thinking about even these day-to-day injuries that happen, not just sports-related, you know, and certainly car accidents and, and work-related injuries and things like that. I mean, you really want to think about them all in terms of, the mechanism of the injury and the symptoms that were produced. So let's define what really is a concussion. Sure, a concussion, you know, the medical uh, definition is that it's a transient injury where a biomechanical force is imparted to the brain and it triggers a number of neurologic symptoms, but it really is a functional disturbance, not a gross structural injury. So a CAT scan or an MRI would be negative in a concussion. Concussion is the mildest form of a brain injury. Okay, so mm-hmm. it technically is a TBI, a traumatic yes. brain injury, mm-hmm. but do most people recover fully from concussions and can continue the normal life? Absolutely. I mean, there's, again, there's no structural reason why someone can't improve fully from a concussion. It's really about, you know, a lot of times I find patients who have prolonged recoveries, it's a lot of times due to a mechanical injury to maybe the neck muscles from hitting their head that their neck is now strained and then they can have eye tracking things that are that are off as well and so those really require more physical therapy or some sort of rehab to help calm those symptoms down and put them away rather than the brain injury still itself okay so let's talk about uh, for a warning sign for parents out there when do we need to go to the doctor great question so um, really when there's a hit to the head and neurologic symptoms is is when you want to have this idea of maybe a concussion in your mind but if the if the headache starts to like really worsen and becomes like very severe headache that would be a red flag sign if you, they the patient starts vomiting um, if they start to lose mentation like they're less responsive or harder to arouse or they're more fatigued um, any changes like that or if there's just a lot of concern around you know the maybe it was a huge hit or just, you know, especially if they lost consciousness, those are things that they should go seek um, emergency care even. But sometimes it might be even more minor. Like I remember when I brought my daughter to you from mm-hmm. a dance um, injury, I wouldn't have known to go had I not gone for myself, where mm-hmm. she, the next day she's like, Mom, I feel really nauseous and I have a headache. And I'd never heard her complain of a headache before. Yes. And I remembered that she hit her head mm-hmm. coming out of a trick wrong in dance. I wouldn't have thought of that, but mm-hmm. she ended up having a concussion. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I remember the video even where it was like flip after flip. And then, you know, that momentum going into that injury was a significant mechanism. Um, and then just the the symptoms again sometimes they don't show up right away and this is you know I give a lot of lectures around the state to different types of providers you know emergency medicine urgent cares things like that primary cares and really my advice to them is that you don't have to call it a concussion in the first couple of hours you know it may reveal itself over time okay. so a lot of times when someone's in a sport they have a lot of adrenaline running you know they just don't feel that headache necessarily but like later that night or the next morning it can really reveal itself so so there is that period of time that that, you know, it may not be so clear. Okay, so for to be concrete, if you're a parent listening, it's probably you'll notice something though within 24 to 48 hours. Yes, I would say so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So then, if you're worried about it, it's mm-hmm. not something we diagnose ourselves. Having seen what you do, it's yeah. very, very specialized. Sure. So, how do you detect a concussion mm-hmm. and determine that one has actually happened? 
Great question. So, you know, in the office, we have, we do a thorough history and, and what happened, how did it happen, and what were your symptoms produced immediately and over that first day or two. Um, and then we, we really ask about sleep and hydration and mood and just all the other things that can come from head injuries. Um, and then we do a thorough neurologic exam. And a lot of that, for me, in terms of concussion, centers around the eye movements, so various eye tracking um, modalities, balance, um, and then a full neurologic exam where we check strength and reflexes and sensation and everything else. But there's not like a scan. I mean, a lot of things right. you think you're going to go in there, you're going to scan, you're going to mm -hmm. say, look, you have a concussion. There's none of that. It's really no. you observing all these really nuances that I guess tell us the condition of our brain. Absolutely. And that's the, the beauty of neurology. Uh, and, and one of the real appeal, appealing factors to becoming a neurologist is that our examination tells us so much more almost than a scan can and w neurology is one of those very unique specialties where you know it's not just a, an auscultation here and there you might still need a chest x-ray for that you know but for for brain injuries and brain pathologies you really need to do a, an exam and that will guide you to where the lesion is often so um, so the neurologic exam is just amazing in that way so I feel super lucky that I was told okay call up dr. Stephanie Alessi LaRosa's office at uh, the IR Neuro Neuro Neurologic Institute is that what mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, yes. um, but at Hartford Healthcare so I knew to call yes. um, and uh, and then ever since, I've been, I, it's been where I've gone mm -hmm. um, for different, and I'm, now I'm getting to do a story with you. Mm -hmm. But if you're an average parent out there and you don't know, can, can they just call and go, or should you go to the ER first, or, or how to, uh, what's the step, what's yeah, the right way to do it? I mean, it? it depends on the situation. So a lot of times, you know, again, if it's like an urgent, something's happening to my kid, go to the ER. There's no question that would be the fastest way to, to get through that initial period. But certainly, yeah, reach out to us. We often just take a story, brief story um, of what's going on with each patient when they call in. And then I review all of the cases and we determine if they're most appropriate for our office or for another neurologist or for some something else, depending on what the problem is. For kids, should you start with a pediatrician? Can they diagnose concussions or they should know to refer out if they're not yeah, sure? Yeah, they can. But actually, there is a lot of research that getting to a head injury specialist um, earlier is, is better. Okay. Yeah. And so this isn't something that you have to get referred to. Well, I mean, everyone has different insurance, but in general, it, I learned I could just skip that step. Yes. And now when I've had a concern, I've, I've called and gotten in and got a screening um, yes. if we needed to know. There are some insurances, of course, that may require referrals. So my office usually handles that um, at the outset, but really call in and then we'll just kind of take it from there. Yeah. And, and people will think that, oh, it's going to take me forever to get in, but that's not usually the case. No, I always save uh, extra spots or, or urgent spots in my schedule for these kind of my kid got hurt, can you see them this week? So we do have a way of, of fitting people in as soon as possible that need it. How do we, as informed parents, take, I mean, I, I know so many moms when we're all playing flag football and then it gets to the tackle football and they're like, mm -hmm. no, no, I'm not letting my kid play. He's yeah. probably not going to the NFL. Have you seen what's happened to all those brains, mm -hmm. all these stories about CTE? Can you help us understand if, if those are warranted fears sure. or actually we're getting a little too much hype and kids should play? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that often. You know, flag football is great, especially in the earlier, you know, the younger ages. It really does give 
you know, the players a chance to learn the sport, you know, and, and understand it better, get some good conditioning and some skills around it without the tackling. Um, I do think that, you know, any tackling under the age of 14, I kind of discourage. I just think it's not necessary. And, you know, the brain is still developing um, throughout, even through high school. But there is a level of, you know, uh, athletic trainers are more available at the high school level. And, you know, having that extra layer of, of support um, medically for, for their competitions is really what keeps the sport more safe. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that for us, actually, we did allow our son to play football. And... Yes, he did get a concussion in high school, and we ended up in your office, which is one of the reasons I wanted to be in this room. But he's better now, and do we need to worry that, okay, you better stop now because you've had a concussion? No, not necessarily. That, that's a real case-by-case -case discussion. And, and, you know, especially at the high school level and even collegiate level, um, you know, it really is more benefits than risks to playing sports. It's just such a great thing for the developing brain and for social reasons, for leadership skills, for, you know, all of the benefits that we talk about um, for kids participating in contact sports. So I try not to deter that. Um, certainly there's case-by-case -case situations, but I can tell you it's so rare that I have to really shut somebody down and say, no, I'm going to discourage you from continuing. It is so rare. I can probably count on one hand how many times I've had to had to really do that at the high school level. That That's such a rare thing. Um, you know, when we talk about professionals and, and you know, I see athletes who were professional and, and retired from professional sports and, you know, we handle those situations as well. Um, but, but again, very different scenario than this, than, than like your son. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for all the, so for all the kids playing out there, it, it, you know, they'll say football gets a bad rap because of all the things that we, we hear or see, yes. but from, from the, where you sit as a neurologist, is there one sport that you would say, I really don't want you playing or you really, you're kind of okay with all of them and. No, I think, again, it depends on the level of competition and, and what their goals are and things and what their history is. You know, if somebody has, let's say a kid has a history of epilepsy, you know, and maybe so there's certain sports that we might counsel them about doing instead of other sports. You know, so it really does depend on the situation. Um, but by and large, the general population, healthy kids, I would say try what, what speaks to you, you know, and what your interests are. And, and we can always handle whatever comes of that. So is there a certain number of concussions that you're like whoa we're done or it's not about the number it's about recovering fully absolutely it's not about the number um whether there's three or five or eight or ten or fifty i don't know maybe we can't that even many? count maybe we can't count anymore there's really? been so many that i have patients like that you know who again play at the higher levels um and it really is important to know that they have recovered fully in between each one back to their baseline um and they're not starting to have more symptoms like oh i started having migraines after my second one and now i have uh, you know some depression or something you know when i start to hear things like that 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 means something different but um but if they've recovered in between each one and and it, within a reasonable time frame you know and their exam looks good again the history exam you know then then it's 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 actually can be okay i mean the scary stories we hear are sometimes where, oh, yeah, my so-and-so got a concussion and, and it took him, you know, he wasn't right for like six months. He, mm. You know, he couldn't go to school right or his mood was bad. Is that because they didn't get right treatment or, or what about those stories that scare people? Yeah, I, it's hard to say. I, I mean, I certainly have had cases where even, you know, under my care that they can be prolonged, you know, okay. so it's not always about the care they received, but a lot of it can be, you know, there are factors that occur from the injury like 
a neck strain or we, we call things occipital neuralgia where there's, you know, nerve injury just to the back of the head, not in the brain, but the back of the head that can continue to cause headaches. And if they're not addressed, then that would be a reason why it would prolong. So as much as we try in, in my program to identify all of these other sort of sneaky things that should be addressed and can, can improve their outcome, um, even with that, sometimes people do go on to have prolonged recoveries. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about treatment. Um, what really works? I know, at least with both of my kids, the first thing that happened was we took some anti-inflammatories. Yes. Yeah, a lot of times that helps to just calm down the intractable headache uh, and, and calm down any neck muscle strain that might happen. So a short course of something like an anti-inflammatory is totally reasonable. Um, but, you know, after that, again, it's sort of case by case. You know, do they have neck strain? Do they have, you know, muscle spasm? Um, you know, are they having a sleep problem? Are they having, you know, lightheadedness when they get up? If they're, if they're lightheaded, maybe they have some autonomic component that is requiring more hydration or, you know, the list can go on and on, of course. But, but really then that's where we kind of get into the more comprehensive and individualized approach. Okay, so at least in our case, and I know it may be different for everyone, go, go to Dr. Alessi, but like <laughs> it was, um, you like them to do Aleve more than like other medicines, I guess, Aleve. Yeah, uh, that has naproxen in it, so it's a little bit different than ibuprofen, um, and you only have to dose it twice a day, whereas some of the, you know, ibuprofen and things like that are more more frequent through the day, so a little more onerous of, of a regimen, um, so, and it works a little bit better. There's a lot of research about that. Okay, then hydration. I know this sounds simple, but like one of the things which... My son did not mind, but you were really encouraged. He needed a big bottle of Gatorade in the morning and in the afternoon. So hydration is really key for treatment? It is. It can be. You know, a lot of athletes think they're hydrated because they're drinking a gallon of water. But after a concussion, they might feel, no, I'm drinking my gallon of water, but when I stand up, I feel lightheaded, like I need a minute. And that's just not normal for them. So in that scenario, continue the water being at that level of at least 64 ounces, but adding in some electrolytes such as Gatorade that has sugar and sodium, both of them um, really can help just your body take in more of the water rather than pee it all out. Yeah. Well, and what I learned also is I thought, okay, I'm going to do the healthy one. You know, like I have some noon tablets that adults mm -hmm. are taking because they don't have sugar in them and they're yes. a little bit more pure. And I thought, well, that's better, right? And you said, no, actually, the Gatorade or something like that was better yeah. with the sugar. Don't get the zero because mm -hmm. your body needs the sugar and the sodium. Correct. So actually the way Gatorade works is that there's certain transporters in our gut that you re it requires the presence of sugar and sodium mm. to use those transporters. And then once the sugar and sodium cross over into your body, the water just follows. So then you're really absorbing so much more. But if you only do like a sodium uh, tablet or s add salt to your diet and not the sugar as much in the hydration, um, then you're still getting some benefit, but it's maybe not as much as we would find with the glucose and sodium. Okay, so really important to hydrate if you're feeling that lightheadedness, and and it's it's hard with kids because you're not with them all the time and you yes. have to push it, and they think they're drinking, but they think they yes. may not be. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's also um, if people are looking online or maybe they also have a functional or naturopathic doctor in their in their world. We have a lot of them on this show. Um, a lot of talk about um, protecting the brain and taking 
a lot of fish oil, mm -hmm. um, especially after concussion. The advice I got was definitely ramp up his omega threes. Mm -hmm. um, what's your take on, on, on some of that supplemental stuff? Yeah, supplements, you know, can be great. You know, they, they do serve a purpose. I think um, I don't have a set, you know, again, protocol of vitamins or supplements for folks to take necessarily. Um, but there, as long as any ideas out there people have that, that they ask me about similar to the omegas or fish oil, if it's not potentially harmful, I'm okay with it because it's, you know, potentially helpful. There's some mm -hmm. anecdotal, you know, uh, research and, and, and research out there that it could be helpful, but it's not, there's not enough evidence for me to recommend it. So, okay. so it's sort of in that realm, but I'm not opposed to things like that as long as they're not potentially harmful. Any special diets or things you need to do in your lifestyle if you're recovering from a concussion? Yeah, the biggest thing about diet or meals is, is that the brain likes a routine. So, you know, sleep, being on a schedule, eating at morning, noon, and night, meal times. I find that to be much more important than necessarily what people are eating during concussion recovery. As long um, as it's not Twinkies every meal. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yes. Saying that for the kids. Okay. Yes, that is some of them. I'm not saying do that. But um, but having a schedule, not skipping meals. Long okay. periods of fasting, and a lot of people do intermittent fasting, you know, you want to just while you're recovering from a concussion to maybe just get back on some sort of schedule with a morning, noon, and night routine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even if you're an adult, I hope kids are probably not doing intermittent fasting. No, but, but you know. But if, if they are. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, or sometimes at college athletes are really just amping up protein and not having carbs right is that yeah. not a good thing for does the brain want those carbs or yeah I mean it's just you want to be as balanced as possible not okay. doing too much extremes really during that period of time yeah what's something else let's say it's your family member that you tell them that maybe not everyone's aware of with concussions well, that's funny. Well, my family's tough because I have a father that's a neurologist yeah. and a sister okay. that's a neurologist. So maybe I can't okay. talk to my Nieces own family. or nephews or, <laughs> or people here yes. listening. Like yes. the, the things you wish three people would know. Yes. That hydration, I thought that was really interesting. No, that is huge. I think because people always underestimate that. And it's, it's funny because the feedback I then get at the next visit from folks is Gatorade changed my life. You know, wow. hydration okay. changed my life, you know, and so and that's what you want because it's not a medication. You know, yeah. I don't want to get into side effects with with folks on on medications if we don't need to. And and it's just it's really important. So so hydration, I think, is huge. Sleep is important to talk about, too, because folks get into like napping a lot and forcing themselves to nap. And I really discourage that after the first two days, the first because two of the days, fatigue, because then it sort of perpetuates the fatigue because you're just not getting good quality sleep at the nap and good, not good quality sleep at night so then it's sort of like you need the naps but you're still daytime fatigue all the time so okay. you want to tighten it up and get your sleep back on a regular schedule at night and keeping in mind that fatigue is a symptom if you're like if you've had a hit to the yes. head and you have a lot of fatigue and you're not feeling great that can be a symptom of totally. a concussion yes okay um so these are number one for detection early matters and but it mm -hmm. might not happen right after if there's someone on the field that says no he's okay mm -hmm. um it might actually be that a day or two later yeah, the symptoms may not reveal themselves right away. But what we really encourage with, you know, kids playing sports that if they take a big hit or they take a hit and they're not sure, you know, the coach, the parents, the kid themselves, you know, we really want them to be advocating for themselves even and saying, I took a big hit. I don't, I don't feel like 100%. I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't feel like I feel something. Then they can remove themselves for the rest of that game because, you don't want to be in a situation where maybe they are concussed and they continue to play. And that, that's something that I do a ton of counseling on with, with especially high school athletes because, you know, every game is so important to them. And um, But really by playing on 
with a concussion and not reporting it, you know, if they take another big hit, then we can get into some more uh, severe and prolonged outcomes and, and things that we don't want to be dealing with. So that's really the danger is mm -hmm. it's not you're saying numbers of concussions. You treat people who are totally fine, mm -hmm. um, who might have had a lot of concussions, but it's making sure they recover from each one. But if yes. you get a second hit when you're concussed, mm -hmm. that could be a big complication. Absolutely. You know, there's a very feared complication called second impact syndrome it's super rare i have not seen it but you know you just don't want to have that case happen and, and that's where the brain can start to really swell rapidly and you know can cause coma death you know really catastrophic things so uh so that's the the real reason even if having one case of that is too many you know so so you really just need to recognize it remove them and and as much as possible um, just get them back as soon as possible safely, yeah. Now, I know you see kids and adults. Is it, does it matter if you're younger to you usually bounce back quicker and a concussion is less problematic or it's worse because it's developing brain? Great question. There is a lot of research that says that kids actually have prolonged recoveries. Okay. So, um, so they can have, you know, just it takes them longer to kind of come around. Um, I, we don't know exactly why that is, um, but, but that is something that we see. So we kind of go a little slower with those uh, folks. I think a lot of times we just want to make sure, you know, be extra sure that we're not returning them too soon as well. Um, but, you know, you really just want to go symptom-based. So every day the injury can change, the symptoms will change, and so we just kind of have to keep a close eye on that and follow them closely. Okay, and we're going to uh, come to the close of this, but I also want to talk about something you mentioned, but we didn't really get into it. Um, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. moods. Um, we're learning this with long COVID. Those can be symptoms of a concussion because I guess your brain is a little is swollen and mm -hmm. sometimes it could lead to not just pain, but, but mood disturbances. Absolutely. Um, you know, whether folks have a history of anxiety, depression, and it's well controlled, let's say, before the injury, then they take a hit and it sort of, exacerbates it you know and it can really exacerbate a pre-existing mood but it can also be a precipitant for anxiety depression as a as a new onset from the injury irritability is probably the most common mm. mood thing that we find with concussion so if their mood is a little more irritable than they they usually are that's another feature but you can have anxiety depression um, even some PTSD, depending on the circumstance of the trauma. Um, and so, you know, those are really important to address early on, get folks into some psychology and some, some get some strategies and tools for that, yeah. Uh, so you wouldn't treat that part? You would send them to a mental health person? I didn't know, like, do they go on an SSRI for a concussion or they more just learn therapy? Yeah, I always start with the psychology first, again, because especially in somebody who did not have a history of anxiety, depression before, then they really shouldn't require that long term. Um, but during the, the concussion and the injury, it would be great for them to have some coping strategies. So from a psychologist or a, a licensed social worker, things like that, um, to get those strategies. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, any difference between men and women or boys and girls? Great question. So it's interesting because women have more of a propensity to have migraines. So there's a lot of that, you know, they're coming into their injury maybe with a history of migraine, and that can prolong their recovery. So, um, so those are some of the differences. Some estrogen component people, uh, you know, there's some research about that as, as a hypothesis as well. But um, so it's hard to say. A lot of it can be behavioral, you know, how much are are men versus women reporting the injury, you know, and, and, and symptoms and, you know, so there's a, lo there's a lot of studies, it's so interesting, on 
the behavioral aspect, yeah. as well as the, the treatment course itself. We yeah. do talk about that here, too, because uh, women tend to kind of, even with heart disease, they're like, I'm fine. Yes. I'm fine. Let me Google the symptoms. Actually, I'll call the doctor later because yeah. I'm busy. Yes. <laughs> okay. all over the place. So just to review in our final minute, if you're going to, uh, you really want to get detection, it's better to get it ruled out. I've had it happen mm -hmm. both ways where mine was ruled out and when I thought my daughter didn't have it, she did. Yes. So uh, we want to get an expert because it's not something you can really detect on your own. Um, when it comes to treatment, a lot of times there's uh, really good things you can be doing and um, the hydration, super, super important and following whatever prescription. And a lot of times that mean, might mean physical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, whatever the doctor is saying, I know you've done some eye tracking. There's different yes. things, but um, I, on average, if you do all those things, mm -hmm. on average, you could be really fully recovered in about two weeks. Yeah. Weeks, yep. In weeks, yep. Not, not months, but Correct. but months could happen, and it then you happen. need and then you need someone like you to really sure. figure it out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there you have it. Now you've spoken to the concussion guru in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Your phone is ringing now. Okay. No, I hope I hope everyone's learned so much, and and, and thank you because I think mm -hmm. it's misunderstood, and then people just get really afraid, and they just say, okay, we can't do anything, and that's really not the case. Right. Right. And you don't want to go too far on again either extreme. It's it's important to play sports case by case. All right, Dr. Stephanie Alessi Larosa from Hartford Healthcare. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks everyone for watching and you can follow me on social media at Kara Sundland for more information. Have a great day and be well.